0: Good morning, and welcome to this Year Active online event, which is kindly supported by Iberdrola, the Spanish electricity company. My name is Frederic Simon. I'm the Energy and Environment Editor of Year Active, and I will be your host for today's event, which is titled "How to Deliver Ambitious Climate Targets While Protecting Consumers." Today's discussion on climate policy and consumers comes in the midst of a global energy crunch a situation which is causing concern especially in the east of the European Union where questions have been raised about the impact of EU climate policies on energy prices. So what do we know about the interaction between climate policy and energy prices from a consumer perspective and can the Fit for 55 package uh, provide an answer to the energy price crunch in the short or the long run? To discuss this topic today, I have the pleasure of welcoming Nicolás González Casares, a Spanish lawmaker with the Socialists and Democrats Group in the European Parliament, Adela Tesarova, Head of Unit for Consumers, Local Initiatives, and the Just Transition at the European Commission's Energy Directorate, Jaume Lofredo, Energy Policy Officer at BEUC, the European Consumer Organization, Elisabetta Cornago, Research Fellow at the Centre for European Reform in London, and Julio Castro, Chief Executive Officer at Eberdroller Renewable Energies. Welcome to all of you, and thanks for joining us today. We'll start this virtual conference with a series of short opening statements from the speakers, and then we'll turn to a Q&A session that will also include questions from the audience, to ask a question, simply use the chat function on the right-hand side of your screen, and we will take questions directly from there. I think that's all for me, so without further ado, let me give the floor now to Nicolas Gonzalez-Casares. Nicolas, the floor is yours. Let me switch yours. on the microphone. Yes, now you need to mute now yourself, we can hear you. Go ahead.
1: Perfect, perfect. Good morning. morning and thank you thank you for inviting me to this event i think the the title of this event is very pertinent because protected citizens is the objectives of the war we are carrying out with the implementation of the e-green deal and with the fit for 55 package protect ourselves from climate change after the grid lockdown we have established a sustainable green recovery and the Fit for 55 package shows a path to achieve our climate goals. We we had recently the COP 26 and the outcomes of the COP 26 this weekend, and we can see how difficult it is to move forward internationally in the fight against climate change. However, it is necessary to move. From promises to action. In our case, we should focus on implementing the package in an ambitious and equitable way with the social dimension, of course, along with energy efficiency, decarbonizing the energy system through sustainable renewable energies, I think is essential. Uh, regarding the European Union, we have some positive signals related with the deployment of renewables as the state of the energy union 2021 highlights renewables overtook fossil fuels in the power electrical system in the eu for the first time last year but i think that we now have a problem with the prices the energy sector is one of the Easy sectors to decarbonize and integrate renewables. We can cost effectively decarbonize sectors such as transport, industry, and buildings through electrification based on renewable energies and promote other energy carriers such as green hydrogen. For electrification to be successful, electricity must be competitive. However, the current wholesale markets that we see these weeks are not helping to promote the necessary electrification. We must take electricity market more efficiency. Yesterday, Acer has published its preliminary assessment of the current wholesale electricity market design and might is open to recommending changes. As co-rapporteur of the Renewable Energy Directive, I believe that the Commission has presented a good proposal with measures that strengthen promotion in sectors with more difficulties for the presentation of renewables. But it is essential that during this legislative process, to maintain the integrity of the directive, it should only promote truly sustainable renewable energy. It's not only about climate neutrality, Today, energy imports in the European Union represent 61%. This will make us reflect on the vulnerability we have and explains a big part of the current energy prices crisis. To finalize, if properly framed, from the onset, the transformative path towards a climate neutrality society can be the beacon of social progress for all, individually and collectively. Ecological and social progress can, am, should go hand in hand. The transition towards a climate-neutral economy and society will be just or there will be no transition at all. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Nicolas Gonzalez-Casares. Let me turn now to Adela Tesarova from the European Commission.
2: Good morning, and thank you for, for the invitation. Um, so, as you know, the Feed for 55 package is all about uh, energy efficiency and deploying renewable energies. Uh, but it is also about putting the consumer at the center. And uh, we have a lot of proposals that have been tabled in July and they'll be tabled before the end of the year doing precisely this. And, and there are three things I would like to highlight. First, the package is empowering consumers further so that they demand green energy and they even supply green energy. We are looking, for example, at um, how energy communities could decarbonize the building stock. Um, second, or how we can increase the availability of green offers and, um, and access to co- of consumers to green offers. Second, the package is protecting consumers further. Uh, for example, uh, the, the current uh, protection rights that exist for electricity, the package is expanding them for district heating. Uh, then we are looking at protection of energy poor and vulnerable consumers across all energy legislation for example the decarbonization of gas proposals of December Uh, we'll look into that Um, and third and not leaving anyone behind a very important element of the fit for 55 package for example the energy efficiency directive is looking at energy savings how to prioritize energy savings among energy poor Uh, the commission proposed the social climate fund to channel funding to eradicate energy poverty in, in member states. Uh, but of course, um, the Fit for 55 package is about structural medium to long term measures. But we live in a world where we still consume fossil fuels. We live in a world where consumers are not very active in practice. And hence, we are all in a bit of a state of shock with the current high energy prices. That's why the Commission on top of uh, the Fit for 55 came with the toolbox how to deal with the current situation in a short term and how to deal with it in the medium to long term. And it's the reality that um, many consumers are for the first time looking at their invoices and they are for the first time asking themselves what I can do uh, to reuse my energy bill. And uh, I hope that um, while this is a shock for many of us, this is also an opportunity for many of us and it's an opportunity to uh, to become active consumers and to actually use and and demand um, the provisions that we have in the legislation and that um, are being implemented, will be implemented and are only being proposed in some cases um, to make sure that the consumer can actually be um, kind of the owner of their own destiny and choose uh, you know among green offers and and actually um, yeah have the possibility to switch away from fossil fuels. and and, and choose a supplier which offers better prices and and, and so on. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks, Adela Tesarova. Let me turn now to Jaume Lofredo from Beuk. Jaume. Yeah,
3: thanks, uh, uh, Federico, also for the invitation. Well, if you we look at the, at the numbers, it is clear that the reason of this crisis was uh, an increase in gas prices. And uh, well, having this in mind, um, what we're doing with the energy transition and more in particular, with uh, Fit for 55, but also with other climate and energy policy proposals, goes into the right direction. We are um, reducing our reliance on gas and this way we are protecting consumers from uh, this volatility of gas prices. And we're doing this in four ways. We are reducing energy demand thanks to energy efficiency in the energy efficiency directive. We are shifting uh, away from gas in heating, uh, shifting to to clean heating appliances uh, thanks to the renewable energy directive. We are promoting a shift away from gas in uh, power generation to uh, clean power generation in the renewable energy directive. And we are promoting demand-side flexibility that will allow us to rely, rely less on uh, gas-peaking uh, picking plants. Um, so, I mean, like you know, in paper, we are doing the right things. But if we look at what is happening on the markets, the, you know, the picture is a little bit more mixed. Because many consumers still cannot improve the energy efficiency of, of their homes because they don't have access to trusted advisors who can advise them on what solutions are best for them. Many consumers still cannot install a heat pump, for example, in their home because they cannot find an installer who can uh, install such a heat pump. Many consumers still cannot install rooftop uh, solar panels because there are important administrative barriers preventing them to do so. And many consumers still cannot engage in demand-set flexibility because uh, they don't receive the appropriate uh, uh, financial incentives. all in all, what we need to protect consumers from these uh, uh, high, uh, from this volatility in gas uh, uh, prices is uh, really to put the consumer at the center of the energy transition. And we've been hearing this sentence for, for a decade now. And although some progress, well, much progress has been done, uh, it, you know, this progress in, in some areas has been quite limited. And it is really time now to walk the talk and really put the consumer at the center of the energy transition. And we need basically two things. The first thing is implementing the clean energy package. Uh, Member states need to lift those administrative barriers, not preventing consumers to install rooftop solar on their rooftops. And member states need to implement the measures in the electricity directive uh, that uh, allow consumers to engage in demand-side flexibility through dynamic electricity price contracts or through aggregation contracts. Second thing that needs to be done is uh, uh, really giving consumers access to uh, trusted advisors and trusted installers of energy efficiency and of uh, renewable heating and cooling appliances. Uh, the renewable energy directive and the energy efficiency directive, as they were proposed, they go into the right direction because uh, there are some measures that would empower consumers to have access to, uh, to such professionals, but clearly these measures need to be maintained and strengthened and they need to be uh, properly implemented by, um, by member states afterwards. So uh, all in all, what uh, consumers need is uh, really to uh, put forward legislation that's fit for the consumer that allows the consumer to be uh, an an active actor in in the energy transition. If we don't do so, then our reliance on gas will not reduce, which means that consumers will still be exposed to volatility in gas prices, and especially this package will not be fit for 55.
0: Thanks, Jaume Lofredo, and let me turn now to Elisabetta Cornago from uh, the Centre for European Reform.
4: Thank you. Um, So I think we can see that while the Fit for 55 package does include a range of policy instruments, regulations, goals, I think it's fair to say that the centrepiece of the package is carbon pricing through the tightening of the existing ETS and through the creation of an additional one that would cover all transport and uh, building heating. So how to make that work while protecting consumers. I think there are two keys to this uh, and both I think are particularly important and critical in fact at the time of spiking energy prices that we are uh, experiencing. So um, the first one is redistribution of ETS revenues in a a progressive manner. And the second is uh, front loading or low carbon investments. So to reduce consumer reliance on fossil fuels for both heating and mobility. So in terms of uh, redistribution, the new ETS on uh, heating and oil transport will de facto increase the cost of, of both activities. And this would make a, pro- a proportionally larger dent, right, on, on budgets of lower income households. Um, at the same time, increasing carbon prices on the current existing ETS have already boosted revenues from it. And the coverage uh, of uh, as, as the coverage of ETS expands. Uh, carbon prices are increasing to, to reflect the ambitious climate goals. Revenues as a whole are increasing, and this should be used already starting today to uh, more progressively distribute the, 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 the benefits of uh, the reflection of, of carbon prices towards uh, consumers, and, and particularly with attention to poorest households. This is partly the aim of the proposed Climate Social Fund, um, but devoting only 25% of the new ETS revenues Uh, to the protection of vulnerable consumers, to the promotion of energy-efficient retrofits, for instance, I would amount to about 10 billion per year, is unlikely to be sufficient, both for income support and investment support. The second aspect I mentioned that is necessary to to protect consumers in the context of Fit for 55 changes is the front-loading of low-carbon investments. We shouldn't wait for the new ETS to kick in to start boosting investment in energy-efficient retrofits and to start promoting the electrification of transport and the shift towards soft mobility options. Um, In fact, we should accelerate that investment uh, so to make a dent in fossil fuel dependence of buildings and road transport. Um, The plans that member states have uh, presented in the context of the recovery fund do go in that direction. Uh, but at the same time, uh, we have seen in a recent paper published by the C.R. that uh, funds under the, the recovery plans will be about 45 billion a year towards climate action. And that is only a fraction of the approximately 460 billion a year in public investment that, that are necessary to meet 2030 initial goals. So to conclude, I think it's important to use ETS revenues for redistribution purposes and uh, accelerate low carbon investment, front loading it in order to make sure that by the time new measures from the FIFA 55 package kick in, most importantly the new ETS, consumers will be already empowered and will have low carbon alternative means to the current fossil fuel ones, heating and road transport. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Elisabetta Cornago. And let me turn now to our final speakers for the uh, uh, initial round. And that is uh, Julio Castro from Iberdrola.
5: Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Frederic, for your invitation <coughs> to be in this event. Sorry for my voice, uh, but I'm in a little bit of a cough with the cold uh, weather uh, that we are having in Spain in these days. I will try my best. Let me, first of all, <coughs> talk about uh, who is Iberdrola. That will take me a second. Uh, You were presenting us as a company uh, based in Spain. That's true, but we have activity in electricity all across the European Union and also in the United Kingdom. Uh, We are leader in uh, onshore and offshore wind, also in solar PV and hydro. We are now building the largest facility in the Iberian Peninsula in Portugal, so-called Tamega project, and we rely on the natural gas as a backup as it has to be as the best choice in terms of emissions and uh, and non-polluting technologies. Namely, I'm talking about huge investments, billions of uh, euros that are uh, conveyed through technology and to the best supply of customers. This is our belief and this is our business plan. But uh, since about uh, two or three months ago, we have seen two different topics that have been a little bit uh, confused. First is uh, expensive bills to customers, that's a reality, and we need to tackle on those and know exactly what happens. Uh, Namely, natural gas prices uh, drive uh, wholesale prices up. Also, uh, carbon prices collaborate, less than natural gas prices. And with the design that we have on 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 the different markets where we are seeing that the outcome might be for those being exposed to the daily market, that the the bills are huge okay that's a fact don't forget about that but there's a second uh, trend in in the electricity world in europe these days which is a loss of confidence in the energy transition namely in renewables, because we have uh, this tool this technological tool as the one uh, to clean and to avoid emissions well by confusing these two um well, we as a company, we as a huge investor in these, uh, in these technologies, we are concerned, very concerned. Uh, in the middle of uh, September, we saw a decree in Spain that was a draft and, and then implement and, and implemented implement decree as well on which uh, the purpose of the piece of law, the regulation was to lower the bills. So first topic, we fully agree with the bills to be controlled and with this uh, crisis to be uh, under screen, But the way of doing this in Spain was coming to the companies and saying that we were too greedy because we were having a huge income and taking part of it. Using figures that are very, uh, let's say, uh, cynical uh, in order to describe the problem, if the market, the daily market, it's uh, quoting at around 200 euros per megawatt hour, there was a tax imposed on the on the on the sales of something around 100, a little bit more than 100, 110 related with the gas prices. So uh, you will not be so greedy, and your margins are uh, lowering. Well, if that's the case, maybe that's uh, fair enough. But given that the sales of electricity are done uh, on, on a term basis. With two years uh, in advance, one and a half or one year in advance, we were absolutely cost in terms uh, in terms of uh, position. We were selling and we are selling in the range of uh, 60 to 70 euro per megawatt hour to our customers, and we were attending to a law uh, implemented, a real law being applied from the 16th of September, according to which we had to pay um, 110 and the income was 60. So we were losing directly 50 euro per megawatt hour. No matter what university you go across Europe, doesn't matter which is the School of Business that you go to get your master's degree, but losing 50 euro per megawatt hour means that in the next second, you have to stop producing because you are not designed to lose money of your shareholders. Fortunately enough, uh, across the, the following weeks to that degree being implemented, there was a strong um, answer from the industry and quite uh, a welcoming environment from the government, uh, listening and attending to the reality of the sales to customers in the market. And finally, there was another decree solving the solution according to which only those getting that income from the high market would be paid the tax. Then now the reality is that that is not affecting our accounts, our p and the worries and the, the let's say, the, the concern are now looking to those that you are describing, the first speakers before me, uh, just helping the customers not to suffer in order to have a competitive uh, supply and those be very vulnerable uh, to have the correct price in order for them to to have a heating and and, and the lights on, so today after this uh, let's say one month and a half of huge concern, the situation it's uh, somehow on 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 the peaceful side and the real objective and target in Spain is to correct the design of the regulated tariff that is directly linked to the spot market, something with, that we think that is not. Uh, correct given that you will take uh, the comfort from low prices whenever they happen in the future but with such a situation like today's uh, one well it's a a kind of a a disaster to transfer the spot uh, wholesale prices to the most vulnerable uh, customers so I think that there's a, a huge concern there's a lot of learning exercise across the period and now the focus is absolutely correct so for, for the next uh, coming uh, points that we will open across the debate as a company, we are uh, concerned about the the, the paradigm of, of, of Europe of uh, entering into the most cleaning um, uh, technologies in, in order to have the less emissions and to have the, the most competitive prices. That, that That's a, a, a very fair objective for the future, but in the first uh, exercise, of having uh, these prices, uh, it looked like uh, uh, our um, belief was vanished all of a sudden. Well, uh, we saw the toolbox coming from the European Commission with a lot of comfort and belief that the current uh, regulations and policies are correct. And what we need to, to, to implement are uh, policies to take care of these uh, high electricity bills coming from uh, expensive gas prices. So please, let's have two different approaches for two different problems and two different solutions.
0: Thank you. Thanks, Julio Castro. And so, we can start now the, uh, the q and session. And uh, let me start maybe with a question to Raume uh, Lofredo about uh, the, the situation on the ground uh, for the moment with the consumer organizations. So Raume, uh, prices on energy markets have receded somewhat um, in, the, uh, in the past weeks, and many governments have adopted uh, short-term measures to alleviate the pressure uh, on consumers. So what is the current feeling among consumer groups uh, in the European Union? Are they reassured by the measures that have been taken um, uh, in their countries?
3: Thanks, Frédéric. Um, well first uh, uh, let me say that i mean let me start with the obvious uh, prices going up meant very high bills for consumers meant that uh, thousands of consumers were reaching out to, to consumer organizations uh, who were uh, you know very concerned about uh, uh, these high bills i mean in many cases they were not really able to to pay for these bills and uh, uh, in this context, I mean, it was fundamental to to give uh, uh, to give an answer to those consumers, uh, um, and we are very happy that the uh, European Commission, with the toolbox, took the responsibility to uh, to give consumers uh, uh, these answers and uh, um, basically drafted a toolbox that contains very good measures. A uh, couple of things that we very much welcomed was, uh, uh, first of all, like you know, clarifying that that uh, member states can. Uh, uh, can reduce the level of taxation. Can reduce, uh, uh, like you know, both of the excise duty and of the VAT. And we are happy that some countries, like Spain, for example, uh, introduced a uh, a low VAT rate for uh, for uh, the energy supply. Um, we were also happy to see that uh, um, the, the the Commission um, basically recommended member states to. Uh, well, to tap into the, the additional VAT and uh, ETS revenues to give some payments to, to consumers, and this is what, for example, uh, France did, giving consumers a lump sum payment uh, to uh, you know to, to help alleviate uh, these uh, uh, well the impact of these increase in prices. Um, so, uh, I mean, like you know, all in all, I mean, some countries uh, responded better than others, but I mean, like you know, those countries which uh, really uh, Responded to to these consumers' requests. I mean, like, you know, actually uh, did did a, a pretty good job. Um, one thing that uh, uh, was not mentioned in the toolbox but we we hope that it will mentioned in the, it will be mentioned in the gas package uh, is uh, uh, in, introducing a bandwidth connections uh, consumers when they receive a high bill a bill that they cannot uh, they cannot pay they are uh, concerned that they might see their energy supply interrupted which especially during the winter might be uh, very dangerous for their health um what uh, we hope to see in uh, uh well Right now, I mean, like immediately from member states, but uh, uh, in the coming uh, in the coming month, from from the European Commission, he is introducing such a ban on disconnection, especially for vulnerable consumers.
0: Thanks, Jaime Lofredo. And so um, I understand you're pretty satisfied then with the uh, European Commission's proposed uh, toolbox. So uh, let me turn now to Nicolas Gonzalez Casares. What is your assessment of uh, the toolbox that the, that the uh, European Commission put uh, on the table now um, a few weeks from now? Do you believe this is the right answer uh, to the energy price crunch that we're seeing uh, in the past two uh, months?
1: I think the, the, the toolbox is welcome. We need uh, some answer from the Commission to address the soaring of the energy and electricity prices but i think that it's not enough because there are some measures that are not in the in this in this toolbox i think that the commission should be more ambitious i want to read carefully the the new dossier the new the new report assessment report from acer that they are saying that some things should be reviewed, but they are also saying that we have to wait until the spring. But I think that uh, not only the measures could be, or the strongest measures could be only at uh, member states level, because yes, some countries are reducing taxes, of course, uh, like uh, VAT or uh, for example, in Spain, the, the tax for generation, of electricity, but I think that all these measures are not in the hand only of the governments. We need all the other measures from the commission. Uh, All of us, we know that we have two prices, two different prices by now. In one hand, we have fossil fuels at top of the prices. In this case, the gas prices are the most problematic at this moment. On the other hand, we have the production or non emitters uh, energy uh, like uh, renewables or even nuclear. So I think that we have to keep in mind that we have these two levels. I'm not saying that I am against the marginalist market. Of course, I'm not. But we have to, to search... For new measures for the future, because I think that these two levels are going to be here for a long time. Probably, gas prices uh, get down when when the spring or in the in the coming months. But I don't I don't see the the these these fossil fuel prices returning to the level that there was before this this crisis. And also, we can see that in in today, for example. How the CO2 prices are are getting higher and higher, probably because the the outcomes of the of the COP. That in 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 certain way this is a a good news, but of course uh, with very 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 high CO2 prices, we can also have a problem with consumers. That we have to involve and engage all consumers in this ecological transition. I think this. It's a thing that we should keep in mind.
0: Thank you, Nicola Casares. And so let me turn now to Elisabetta Cornago. Uh, a question to you, similar to um, well, the question I put to the other uh, speakers. Do you believe the Commission's toolbox is the right answer in the current context? Or do you believe, like Nikolaos Casares, that there are shortcomings that need to be addressed as well?
4: i think broadly speaking the the toolbox did did put forward you know meaningful suggestions and in fact i think it to a large extent also validated measures that uh various member member state governments had already taken right in the emergency situations to help out their their consumers they did not really wait for the toolbox to uh a limit on on, or artificially limit the the, the energy taxes or the VAT taxes on energy or to implement transfers. Now, I think what what is worth saying is that these two types of measures have the same purpose, so protecting consumers from a uh, very high spike in energy prices in the short term, but the message that transfers or caps on, on, on taxes and therefore artificial limitations of retail prices of energy bring are not the same. Because limiting the the energy price again, while while that makes sense in in let's say the, the emergency context of a price spike, does mute to a certain extent the the message of scarcity that, that peaking prices of natural gas are, are conveying to consumers. Whereas transfers, I think, are in a way a, a better way to protect consumers because they shield their their income, they they give them a way to to face higher bills, while still uh, showing them that look there is a spike in prices, so. This is also a time to think about uh, adapting energy consumption. This is also a time to think about uh, considering um, energy efficiency improvements in, in the household. Now, of course, as Home I said, consumers need to be put in the conditions to be able to afford those structural improvements in energy efficiency of their homes. So that is a, a different type of approach that requires uh, subsidization uh, uh, to, to afford retrofits. But uh, I think it's important to distinguish between transfers and and caps on on taxes uh, to to, to calm the effect of energy bills on consumers.
0: Thanks, Elisabetta Cornago. And uh, Julio Castro, um, turning to you now, your views about the Commission's proposed toolbox. Do you you believe this this was the right answer at that precise moment in time?
5: Well, you are saying the that that, uh, it was uh, the right answer as a a forward to my answer uh, and it was at the right time Uh, we really think that uh, being a little bit late in answer would be uh, opening many different approaches from many different uh, member states but being too early maybe that was not having enough uh, thinking and being uh, too fast in in, in having uh, extreme uh, answers that was not the case the case has been very balanced and the uh, proposals uh, first having trust in the model of uh, decarbonization and in the renewables uh, investments uh, that, that are showing uh, when when the resource is present wind uh, sun and, and, and water that that is lowering the, the bills so that that's correct and that's a strong support and secondly, uh, showing the concern on on, on these bills uh, to customers being uh, too high uh, for the specific moment, and outlining measures on taxation and charges. Uh, there's a lot of uh, economic uh, policy implemented in the electricity bills. There's a lot of uh, written articles and books on this, and uh, maybe it's the moment to start uh, replacing that effort and uh, uh, not only the electricity bills fighting against uh, lowering emissions, also some other form of of energy like oil and natural gas, and also why not the budgets of different member states to be considered. Uh, The social vouchers to be uh, uh, delivered to customers is a a good policy, and uh, many of the member states are following those. And uh, uh, the, the different designs that are implemented by different countries on the regulator tariffs for those to be protected. Well, um, the, 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 the suggestion of uh, uh, hedging as much, as much as possible on the term sales in order to avoid the price spikes, uh, again, uh, those are very good recommendations. Uh, uh, as as um, Elisabetta was mentioning, uh, the, the, the wrong would be uh, trying to tackle on, on, on the prices. The, the price, it's a warranty that you will get the supply. Once you have the correct marginal market, as every single market in the world, all of them are marginal, you are paying the correct price. You have the good, you have the delivery. Once you have that, uh, we need to, uh, to implement uh, for the coming future more choices of supply, LNG. It's uh, something that it might be a good uh, financial solution for hedging, not only for supply. For that, you need the regasification terminals here and there. Maybe we should be thinking if we have the the, the correct ones in the correct places. Uh, Hedging, as I'm saying, not only uh, to, to the bills, but also to the supplies of the different companies. Delaying bills and financing those delays. Uh, having a social approach to different uh, tranches of our customers. I mean, uh, everything looks to be uh, a a solid block of recommendations. That's our view.
0: Thanks, Julio Castro. And let me uh, stay with you for a follow-up question, and that is coming uh, from uh, the audience, um, one of our viewers, uh, Mike Parr. Um, who is a consultant on um, energy markets. He's asking uh, whether um, you believe the marginal pricing, which is currently uh, driving wholesale electricity uh, prices, do you think this um, should be reformed in a way? Um, And do you believe regulators uh, can step in to, to reform this marginal pricing system? Do you think that would be desirable? your Castro um, I think you need to uh, unmute yourself
5: um. Sorry, I was just dispatching one uh, emergency call. Can you just uh, rephrase uh, the summary on the on the? Yes, on it's the one, one of
0: our viewers is, is asking about the marginal pricing system, which is currently yes. uh, in place on the wholesale electricity market. Do you believe this is something that needs to be reformed? And can the regulators actually do uh, something meaningful? Yeah. Uh, do you believe in the, in in the relatively short term?
5: Well, I think that the, the marginal uh, methodology of setting prices is the only one that you can have judgment. I mean, for the decision to uh, dispatch the most efficient ways of producing energy in every single hour. So trying to um, move from this uh, methodology into another one, that may remind us about those monopolies uh, back in 30 years ago or 40 years ago that might have uh, political decisions on the unit commitment. In the end, it's uh, having a more expensive uh, generation fleet, but that's on the, on the dispatching, that's on having the correct um, units running every single hour. If you uh, are uh, thinking in the income that you get uh, on the sales to customers in order to have the revenues for the business to to, to run correctly, then you cannot think on an hourly basis. You cannot think on a daily basis. You need to think on a more term basis. So those two are different. I think that the marginalistic uh, market, it's unavoidable. And it's the only way of dispatching uh, LNG contracts, natural gas supplies, sales of flats and apartments in amsterdam or in madrid is the only way of doing things then the risk appetite as a customer that you may have to enter into a term deal other than the spot uh, market or uh, the same appetite on the side of the supplier it's something that you need to target with a methodology uh, related with financial financial um, uh, tools or with Uh, the margin allocation that you may uh, proceed either on the side of the customer or on the side of the seller so those two are different and i do not see an easy way of not spoiling the competitiveness of the generation fleet other than the marginalistic market today
0: thanks julio castro Uh, let me turn to uh, adela tessarova now for a, a quick comment on what we just heard um, about uh, the reactions to the, the toolbox that the uh, Commission proposed a few weeks ago, uh, we heard some general satisfaction um, about, about the proposal, but also some concerns that the Commission could have gone further on, on some aspects. Um, what is your reflection on this?
2: Well, thank you very much, and 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 thank you for and and to uh, all all the colleagues here for, for their feedback, which I was actually uh, noting down uh, a lot of um, uh, a lot of interesting and and useful remarks, and um, thanks for the generally very very positive feedback. Actually, um, well, if you if you let me, I would maybe make a bit different comment um, in relation to what we have heard, uh, because there is a lot of talk about um, wholesale energy prices, but here we are in an event about consumers. And in fact, um, consumers don't pay wholesale prices. Consumers pay retail prices, consumer prices. And, um, you know, it's also an interesting reflection. And what we observe happening in the EU currently gives us a lot of lessons um, to be learned about how to structure the link between wholesale and retail prices. In principle, you have two types of retail prices. You have um, fixed or um, or dynamic prices. You know, you have prices which are fixed for one year or for a certain period of time, or and then you have prices which are variable. And you have different types of variable prices. You can have a night tariff and morning tariff, and you can have peak and off-peak, and you can have hourly, and you can have a lot of. Uh, uh, you know, there are different variations, of course, um, and and. Um, and of course you have also differently mature markets. You have consumers who have access to comparison tools and they, they switch suppliers often and they are used to do it. And that's the minority of course. And then you have consumers who have never done it in their life. And they have been uh, shielded from the market because they had a regulated price or because they are vulnerable. And um, and um, and maybe for the first time now, they price, their price uh, jumped up and, and they are confronted with a completely new world. And I think we have seen a particularly interesting uh, experiment uh, happening in Spain uh, where um, a regulated tariff is linked to dynamic price, which is a very unusual setup uh, for for, uh, reasons which are historic and uh, well thought. uh, And there was uh, the idea to protect consumers and uh, and, uh, um, for for many years, the spot prices were lower than forward prices. So uh, that's why Spanish authorities have come up with this, I would say, experiment and um and we see that this experiment has created some troubles in the current uh, current con- uh, context um so i think there is a lot of learning going on uh these days um but i would like to to stress this this point really that um the wholesale market and the consumer price is not the same thing and um, there are different ways of setting consumer prices and they, ha- in the first place they have to be set by the market, that's the rule, is the market setting consumer prices. We can have some exceptions such as vulnerable and energy poor where the prices can be exceptionally set uh, uh, as a regulated price but that's the minority of the market. The majority is uh, market-based price setting and uh, options are unlimited. Uh, starting from fixed prices to, to dynamic prices on the other end of the spectrum. And I think the more dynamic the price the consumer is exposed to or the consumer commits to because always it has to be uh, the decision of the consumer to sign up to a dynamic price. So the more dynamic price consumer signs up to, the more mature the consumer needs to be. The, uh, I think it's uh, it's difficult to um, to expect that consumers who are, you know, not very familiar with the market functioning uh, would be able to to realistically subscribe to dynamic prices which are closely linked to the wholesale market that's the so the more dynamic the price consumer has the, the closer the link to the wholesale market but the more the mature the more knowledgeable the consumer needs to be otherwise this doesn't work i think that's one of the lessons they are learning in the current crisis thank you
0: Thanks, Adela Tessarova. Um, Let me turn now to uh, another uh, subject, which is uh, the Fit for 55 package that the European Commission put uh, on the table uh, in July. So that was uh, just as uh, the the energy price uh, shock, let's call it, was was building up uh, during that time, but was not yet uh, at full speed. Uh, now we're seeing with this uh, toolbox that the Commission put forward uh, just a few weeks ago, uh, we see the EU executive really pushing in the long run what's in the 55, Fit for 55 package, so um, uh, speeding up investments in renewables, energy efficiency, so that uh, we can build greater, greater resilience to external um, energy price shocks. So, uh, Julio Castro, uh, let me put this question to you. Uh, how do you believe those investments in energy efficiency, in renewables, uh, be speeded up? Do you believe some elements, for example, of uh, the Commission's Fit for 55 package should be fast-tracked?
5: Well, the, 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 the first um, thought that comes to my mind is the way of not doing uh, this effort. And the way of not doing the effort is uh, introducing... Uh, turmoils earthquakes changes with not uh, the, the, the the let's say the the, the necessary uh um, debate and an and, and agreement let's say let's say changing the, the the framework that we have on the regulatory environment in Europe all of a sudden because there's a first event that we should be tackling uh, with some other solutions on the on the electricity bill. So, first of all, what we need is regulatory stability. That's a, that's a must, and uh, we used to have that, and and it was working because we 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 have arrived to to year twenty twenty one with an absolutely story of success <coughs> of building and uh, uh, renewals and also of reducing emissions. So the the the, the learn it's. To follow doing what we have done in the in the past, fast tracking is welcome. Um, uh, running too fast, uh, maybe that's that's not the correct way of doing things. I think the trial of that we have in Europe is an example of the perfect democracy mm-hmm. and the and the with the correct leadership that we are really having. Uh, the the fit for 55 uh, fast tracked and with the. the the, the current view and focus, and and implemented in the correct way is a really very, very promising uh, story of uh, attracting uh, investment into the the decarbonisation effort in Europe. So I think that um, what we have to do from companies is encouraging regulators to follow uh, exactly the same track that we were having before this turmoil in price spikes and uh, why not uh, learn as well at the same time there are a few issues on the on on the on the taxation there are a few issues on charging a few issues on the on the on the billing and on the on the design of the regulated versus liberalized markets that should be approached so we we, we can even improve and on the technology side we we can also uh, think that we may need a, a better implementation footprint uh, in order to uh, have uh, more storage, in order to have a uh, more hedged supply of the backup, uh, namely on the, on the capacity mechanisms. So, there are, uh, the, the the possibility of uh, following and keeping the, the historical success on implementing these policies, at the same time, learning uh, to, to, to improve a little bit more and with the help of the of the funds that uh, hopefully will be announced and released uh, soon all together look like to be uh, the promise of uh, of the investment and we and many others are ready to secure the, the the investments and to drive them to become a reality as a technology to have the most clean and competitive supply in europe
0: Thank you Julio Castro. Uh, let me turn now to Nicolas Gonzalez-Casares. Uh, Do you believe some elements of the Fit for 55 package should now be fast-tracked, uh, given the situation that we have regarding uh, high energy prices? Do you sense appetite in the European Parliament uh, to, to, to put some bits of the package on, on, on the faster approval uh, than others?
1: Uh, I think that first uh, the fee for fifty-five YouTube, packages uh, is very uh, can you? I cannot hear you. Yes, we can. We happens. can hear you now. Go ahead. oh perfect. Uh, for me, I think that the, the fee for fifty-five packages is very ambitious, of course. But I don't know if we need a, a faster track for some of the files because we have a lot of files here in the parliament. We are working with renewables, energy efficiency, taxation, the ETS, uh, sustainable fuels for aviation, maritime, you know, a lot of files. And um, we also have to keep in mind that we need coherency and consistency. Okay, for example, when it comes to renewables, I think that we have to promote a massive deployment of renewables in the next 10 years to achieve the goals that uh, the targets that we have, for example, in the climate law, to to reduce our emissions at least 55%. But of course, we have to do that in a a safe way. I mean, consistency, coherency among all the files is very important because uh, uh, We need a a fit for fifty-five with ambition, but also balanced because if it is not balanced, we can have problems in the next years. So I really like to go faster, for example, in in renewables, but of course, keeping in mind these these things that I that I have mentioned because I think it's one of the most problematic points that we have. But for example. In renewables, we should work to avoid the bottlenecks that we have in Europe in some countries to to, to implement these these new technologies, but of course also balance with the with the public acceptance. So I think this is one of the challenges that we have in the renewable directive, for example. But of course, for example, uh, renewable directive, energy efficiency directive and taxation, uh, I think that are um, files that we have to, to go faster. But as I said before, maintaining the consistency and coherency of the whole package. I think this is the most important thing.
0: Thank you, Nicolas Casares. Uh, uh, Raúl, Alfredo, maybe a view from, from your side. Uh, do you believe some elements of the Fit for 55 package need to be fast-tracked? Or maybe amended uh, to take account of uh, the situation that we have on on energy markets.
3: Well, I think that the priority, more than the Fit for 55, is the implementation of the Clean Energy Package. Honestly, uh, the measures on demand set flexibility uh, in the uh, electricity directive were not uh, yet implemented in many in many member states. Uh, Mr. Gonzalez Casares was rightly making the point that. Uh, Um, You know, as long as we need to rely on uh, gas power plants, we will have some uh, some ties during the day in which we're going to to see uh, very, uh, very high prices because we need to to cope with uh, uh, with an increasing demand. Give consumers the incentives to use energy flexibly and they will do so. Uh, Adela was right in saying that uh, uh, the more dynamic the price consumers uh, are exposed, the the, uh, the more knowledgeable the consumer uh, the consumer should be. Um, but uh, um, well th- the thing is that uh, uh, appliances or products that are facilitating flexible consumption uh, that allow consumers to benefit from uh, from variable prices and to engage in demand response are entering consumers' homes. Um, electric vehicles uh, in uh, sales in the Netherlands were uh, 20% of total sales uh, this year, and so consumers with electric vehicles can engage in uh, demand-side flexibility uh, through uh, smart charging or through V2G, and these can help uh, consumers um, basically reducing their reducing their energy bills. Um, I think the priority, uh, of course, immediately mean, should be. Um, on one side, to, to have an ambitious Fit for 55 package, to really empower consumers, um, shifting to, uh, to energy efficiency, shifting to renewables by giving them access, for example, to, uh, to installers, to, to one-stop shops, and by giving them uh, access to financial incentives. We should not really lose sight of the Clean Energy Package. It's not that uh, since it was adopted a couple of years ago, it's uh, uh, you know it's something that's old and that uh, it's uh, uh, that we can uh, sort of forget about it. I think that it's a cornerstone of the of the energy transition and it's what is going to uh, to shield consumers against the volatility in gas prices.
0: Thanks, may uh, Let me turn to Elisabetta Cornago. Uh, your views on the Fit for 55 package? to believe some elements of it? Uh, should be modified, or 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 their adoption <clears throat> speeded up in the context of the uh, current high energy prices.
4: So I think in general it it would be good to to, to speed up the entire really uh, decision making process on Fit for Fifty Five. What I'm worried about is perhaps that some parts of the package be put on the back burner in the context of spiking energy prices. And particularly, I think uh, the the process around the energy taxation directive revision, which was already you know, politically delicate ahead of the price spike is, is perhaps uh, um, even more so right now. But I, I think it's important that um, the, the energy tax rates between uh, gas and electricity are rebalanced in order to make way to, to facilitate uh, and to incentivize really electrification. Because as long as is the case, as in, in many, if not most uh, member countries, electricity is taxed to a greater extent uh, than natural gas and Uh, energy tax rates do not reflect the carbon content of different fuels then I think that sends a very mixed and confusing message to consumers and does not incentivize them to let's say replace their gas boiler with a heat pump so I think really the the revision of uh, energy taxes uh, in order to support electrification is is important and I think it also opens the question of whether um there should be a a redesign uh, possibly of 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 retail prices as Adela said consumers do not pay wholesale prices they pay retail prices and a large chunk of retail prices is precisely made up of taxes be that energy taxes or or vats or or other fees that are there to cover for structural costs such as the coverage of subsidies for renewables so is there a way uh, is there a case to be made and i think there is to shift for instance the 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 burden of the cost of subsidies for renewables, which are behind the success story of of the the increase in the share of renewables in the EU uh, energy mix, shift those uh, across uh, across, uh, fuels, so including on natural gas to general taxation. I think there needs to be a discussion around that. As long as the burden of uh, additional costs on top of the wholesale price on on electricity retail costs is is higher, consumers are, are going to be disincentivized to really take a leap towards electrification.
0: Thanks, uh, Elisabetta. Uh, uh, let me turn to Adela Teserova uh, now uh, for um, uh, a quick reflection uh, on, on what we just heard. Uh, do you believe some elements of the Fit for 55 package should be uh, speeded up or maybe amended uh, in the current context of high energy prices? We're, we're starting the, um, uh, the negotiation process, so maybe now is the, is the right time to make some adjustments. What, it, what is your thoughts on this?
2: um well thank you thank you for for these questions well given that the package is now in the hands of the of the of the co later's um i think uh uh mr nicolas Caceres covered uh, quite uh, i mean he covered extensively this answer and i um yeah i mean he he stressed the need to keep the package together in, because it's this is the biggest legislative package ever uh in the area of of energy and climate um Uh, it is an enormous strain on co-legislators i think we have some very ambitious presidencies ahead of us Um, especially you know next year uh, we have french presidency the year after we have the swedish presidency i'm sure uh, the swedish presidency will want to uh, conclude on everything so i think um, that would be a very very quick uh, dealing with the package Um, so that's one comment from my side second comment I agree that we need to implement what we have in place. That's absolutely necessary. There are huge gaps Um we have a good opportunity with this uh, big MFF, very green MFF. I have, of course, listened to Elisabetta what she said, but at the same time, this is the biggest green MFF we have ever had. We have the biggest financing available for green investment thanks to the recovery fund. And, um, uh, you know, we can, uh, there is always more; well, it's always possible. But I think uh, there is enormous financing going in the direction of energy efficiency, especially in the recovery funds. And um, uh, this is an opportunity not to be wasted. Uh, third comment: um, We need active consumers. That means we need to implement the existing legislation. But I think they also um, it also the consumers need to want to become active. You know, um, and I think the current um, energy price environment. Is waking up people, people who, uh, you know, we, if I simplify, we have a 10% of the population which cannot pay their energy bills. And then we have 90% of the population which very easily can pay the energy bills and they never think about it. And these people are now waking up. And this is good because unless consumers want to become active, no legislation in the world is going to make them active. We need to remove barriers, I fully agree. But one of the barriers is the fact that people are not interested. And this is a non-negligible barrier. Um, When it comes to retail prices, last comment, um, member states have the right to impose taxation and no, no European Union can take this right away from them. What we have in the EU is harmonized rules for these taxes. One of them is the Energy Taxation Directive, the other one is the VAT Directive. So the Commission has put forward a review of the Energy Taxation Directive to precisely um, put some order in the way uh, taxes on energy are levied. And the question of electricity versus gas is one of, one of those that are being looked at. But. Um, this is a member state's right to impose taxes on energy and this right is not going to go away. So what we can do at EU level is to look at the consistency and this is precisely what the revision of the Energy Taxation Directive is doing. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Adela Tessarova. Uh, uh, And indeed, uh, the the, the attitude of consumers towards uh, energy pricing is is something which is quite cultural and not something that's going to change overnight, uh, I'm afraid. Um, Claudio Castro, uh, uh, a question uh, to you now uh, again. Uh, Some have warned that fossil fuel prices are likely to remain quite volatile um, in the long run precisely because of the energy uh, transition. Do you share this analysis and how do you believe policymakers can prepare for this?
5: Mm, That's a good one, Frederick. Um, well to the extent that uh, from a technological point of view the storage is not uh, fixed in the coming years which is something that at least for a planning on on on, on a five-year business plan if that is the case it is right to say that the backup uh, with the lesser emissions will come from natural gas Natural gas will come either from a pipeline or a LNG and it's available. So the good answer is that um, we will have the lights on and uh, by having more renewable energy, that is the most competitive one in terms of uh, LCOE of costs uh, these days, the bills will be lowering, but we need the backup. So we need to uh, focus on the backup price and the way of uh, implementing this backup. There's a lot of uh, written thinking on the capacity mechanisms. There's many, many uh, methods. Uh, there's uh, different exposures, uh, different countries looking at different ways of doing things, but uh, what we have to do is at the same time that we are relying on renewals, we need to have a, an answer. We need to have a method and we cannot only rely on the marginalistic uh, market so that the income of this back up it's opportunistic somehow depending of the uh, moments in the future where these price spikes are present why because apparently it looks like uh, nobody believes in those prices being fair at least that is what happens uh, in the media and in some of the institutions in spain where uh, you are having a price that is uh, clearly in terms of the figure that you're using High, let's say 200 euro per hour, clearly high price. Well, that is unacceptable. Given that it's unacceptable, you're greedy and something has to be done. When the price is in the surroundings of uh, 50, nobody says uh, anything about it. Well, uh, clearly we uh, have uh, different uh, tools, either technological or financial, to have a more smoothened uh, cost curve of the of the backup by having more reserves of the of the fossil fuel that uh, you may be using that can be done either on a physical way in storages or tanks or LNG or from uh, financial contracts or financial hedges which is a way of storing Uh, or uh, you can have a, a mechanism that puts the costs on a term approach so that are applied to the different uh, bills in a different way, not charging daily and hourly, that back up cost expectation that the investor on that technology wants to be remunerated. So uh, I do see that uh, there will be volatility, but I do not see and I do not agree that the current situation that is very specific is the one that we we are seeing uh, twice a year in the coming 25 years, no. And it cannot be. Companies and customers can either physically or financially hedge positions and, uh, uh, and um, quarantine and um, having a more average cost of the backup in, in, in the future so that the outcome in terms of the bill is absolutely acceptable. So, a um, lot to be done, a lot to be learned but uh, not exactly for the current situation where this spot market it's uh, somehow frightening uh, all of us and there's tools of doing this from my career and from my experience uh, in the in the lng and natural gas uh, life which is the one that is dri- driving the high cost of backup there's a lot of uh, tools contracts term contracts long-term contracts uh, financial storage virtual virtual finance uh, for the storage uh, taking care uh, hubs and the and different uh, hedging options and of course the the physical storage is always helping but of course it has to be remunerated and you have to compare either if that's it's uh, efficient or if you need more flexibility on supply by my long answer, but I think that uh, this question and this answer, maybe it's the key for the coming five years of survival of the current market.
0: Thanks, Jodio Castro. Uh, let me put the question to you now, Nicolas Gonzalez-Casares. Uh, do you believe Europe should be prepared for more volatility on energy markets going forward precisely because of uh, the green transition? And how do you believe policymakers uh, can uh, provide answers to this? First, I want to say that
1: we cannot make the green transition guilty. I think the problem is that we are delayed in the green transition because if we have more renewables by now, uh, we will have... Have, will have uh, less problems with, the, with these prices. But yes, probably we can see volatility as, as for example, Acer has mentioned and other, other actors mentioned that uh, we can expect an, uh, volatility in the fossil fuels market and the energy market in the next months. But I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want to see the same problem year after year until 2030, because this is is going to be a mess for citizens. I think that we need to protect consumers and also companies that we have in Europe. And of course, we need uh, uh, affordable prices for all of them, because yes, we can pay bills for vulnerable consumers, but at the end of the day, we also need to be competitive in the in the global marketing with our companies and our productions so we need to uh, have a good balance of in energy prices i think it's, it's crucial for for the next years because we need to deploy more renewables we need this backup that uh, uh, jose castro mentioned before and we need also to be more efficient but of course we have to, we have to think about the, we are going to need huge amounts of electricity and green electricity. So we have to put our investments in the place that we need. For example, I, I don't want, I want to mention that because I, I don't like the, the proposal of uh, when it comes to the taxonomy to uh, to see uh, natural gas as as a green investment, I think this is not sustainable, and is going to make a, a lock-in in investments, putting money on on gas infrastructures, and uh, take out the money from from renewables. I think okay, we can make uh, investments in natural gas, but They are not greener anymore. So I think this is one point. But of course, in the next year, we need affordable prices. And we, as consumers, uh, also need to, to see how renewable energy decrease the bill of consumers. Because it's going to be the best answer for consumers to get engaged in this uh, green transition.
0: Thanks, Nicholas Casares. Um, uh, we're getting closer to the end of uh, this online event. Uh, but before we close, I would like uh, each one of you to reflect and maybe summarize in just a couple of sentences what you would want um, our audience to take away with them as the main message. Um, and so, let me turn, uh, therefore, back to Adela Tesarova for this.
2: well thank you um well i really hope that um the current uh, high price crisis or um will bring something positive positive. and i hope the positive thing that it will bring is that it will wake up consumers i said it earlier but i will repeat it because i think it's important energy consumers have been very passive Uh, people you know people are experts on uh, tariffs for mobile phones and experts in technology of mobile phones and people don't understand anything about energy and energy is much easier simpler than mobile phones and I think it's time for us to become experts in energy and for us to as all of us ordinary people to be able to choose the right tariff to be able to change tariff to be able to produce energy ourselves because yeah the cheapest renewable energy is the one we produce with our house and if it's a a building block uh, it's even easier because uh, there is a lot of space for solar panels on top so you know um i think it's it's really uh, i hope that the positive thing that this crisis will bring is it will wake up all of us consumers to become actors of our own life and uh, to actively decide our own destiny when it comes to energy thank you
0: Thanks, Adela Tessarova, for this positive message. Uh, Let me go back to Nicolas Gonzalez-Casares for your own uh, closing statement.
1: I I, I want to say that uh, citizens must know that we are uh, concerned about these prices, but the cost of not doing the transition, the grid transition, is higher of going for this way. I guess the, the prices get normal in the coming months but of course we have to keep in mind that uh, to protect ourselves uh, to protect our transition and fight against climate change we need to speed up this ecological transition
0: thanks nicolas casares Uh, let me turn now to raume lofredo what is your own uh, main message from today's event
3: well I, I hope that, uh, um, well, the Fit for 55 and the implementation of uh, uh, the Clean Energy Package, which uh, well, should happen as soon as possible, uh, really empowers consumers to, uh, to be active and to, to improve the energy efficiency of homes, so to uh, switch to heat pumps, to uh, install rooftop solar panels, and to be active through uh, demand-side flexibility. And uh, at the same time, I can say that uh, uh, ourselves as consumers groups, we are uh, committed to, uh, to help consumers become active in the energy sector uh, by providing them advice. And uh, well, we hope that uh, our collaboration with the, with the Commission uh, on this, which uh, so far has been quite fruitful, can continue and that we can continue cooperating in the future.
0: Thanks, Jaume. Um, Elisabetta Cornago, what is your own uh, main message for our audience today?
4: I hope that uh, from, from these spiking energy prices, we will see a, a boost of, of renewable energy investment, but also energy efficiency investment. Because ultimately, I think that the best way to, to protect consumers is to enable them to cut uh, their, their energy consumption and therefore their energy bills. I also think that uh, and, and hope that it will prompt a reflection in terms of the design of, of retail energy prices, particularly using the level of uh, energy taxation, because I think it's, we cannot expect consumers to, to be smart about their energy consumption unless the price signals are right. And as long as um, the electrification of their heating system, for instance, remains financially uh, discouraged uh, through, through, through lower uh, costs of, of natural gas heating, I think that is going to be a bit of a difficult um, decision to, to ask of consumers.
0: Thanks, Elisabetta. And uh, Julio Castro, now you have the privilege of closing today's event. What is your own main message for our viewers?
5: Let's take advantage from... Um, well, crisis make you stronger. That's uh, common in life. <clears throat> so uh, the European Union should be focusing on less carbon emissions, more renewables and storage are needed. In order to do that, uh, we need less taxes and charges on the bills and we need more regulatory stability. Instead of talking about uh, fit for 55, we like to say that we are ready for 55. Iberdrola is ready to invest.
0: Thanks, Gordio Castro. I think that wraps up uh, today's event. A big thanks to Ebert Roller for supporting it, a big thanks to our panelists for the time uh, you took uh, to be with us today, and uh, to our viewers, of course, for following us. Uh, if you've missed the beginning of uh, this event, you can uh, watch it again on YouTube and other social media. And if you're interested to learn more about upcoming events uh, on Your Active, please visit our website, events.youractive.com, for more. We hope to see you again soon. In the meantime, take care and stay safe.